morning. You know, one advantage of this spreading out, distancing, I got fellow worshipers on the front row. Thank you, Mike and Cindy, for joining me on the front row. I love it. God is good. Thank you for those uh, joining us online. We want to welcome you, and my prayer is that right where you're at, you may sense the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He's with you. We love you. We miss being with you in person, but we know God is with us, and with him we have everything we need. You guys ready for the Word of God this morning? We're going into 1 John, and uh, this, is, this is meat. So we got to be ready to eat some steak because this is, um, John takes us right into the very heart of God, the heart of why Jesus came into this world. Would you just join me in praying? Lord, you know every heart here. You know my heart. You knew us before the creation of the world. You know the burdens. You know the tiredness, you know, the stress, the anxiety, the fears, the doubts. Lord, you know it all, and yet you choose to love. And so, Lord, we come to this place and we declare that you are holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, you are worthy of our song this morning. You're worthy of our hearts and our ears and everything that we have. So God, we come to you because we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, one of the opportunities God has given me in this life is to uh, live different places and travel different places. And um, one of the places uh, I was able to go to is the Amazon rainforest in uh, Ecuador. And... uh, Maybe some of you have uh, been to the Amazon, but uh, if you haven't, it's, it's hard to describe. But if, if you've seen the ocean, you have a, a sense of the immensity and the scale because uh, the place where we were going in Ecuador uh, couldn't be reached by any roads. There were no uh, vehicle travel to those places. The only way you could get there was you could walk or you could go down a river or you could fly. And we got in an airplane, little tiny airplane, and, and as you're over the immensity of this green carpet of trees you realize that this is a this is a big place and then you land uh, and then you're surrounded by trees and uh, if you think about um, you know things grow here in the black hills but we don't get that much rain and our sunshine is disappearing more and more every day but there they have sunshine year-round and rains every day and so stuff just grows. Uh, we found an earthworm that was longer than my, the breath of my hands. I mean, that's how stuff grows there. And so uh, we spent some time a week there with the uh, Waodani people and uh, they're hunter-gatherers, so there's no stores. You, you eat whatever you can find or kill or <laughs> hunt. And so they asked me, they said, you want to go monkey hunting? And I said, yeah, I want to go monkey hunting. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I followed them into the jungle, and we kept walking and walking and walking. And about 30 minutes in, I realized, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> I am so lost because everything looks the same, and it's thick, tr- giant trees and leaves, and um, you just can't see very far. And I was totally lost, and I just kept following these guys. And I've soon realized, it hit me that if these guys decide to leave me, <laughs> I'm a dead man. <laughs> Have you ever been lost? Have you ever felt 
totally, totally lost. <laughs> Have you ever been hiking and realized you didn't know which way was north, which way was south? And so I kept, kept following these guys, but they spoke a little Spanish, especially the younger guys, so I could communicate with them. I speak Spanish. And, uh, and so I, I started asking them, how do you know where you're going? Because everything looked the same to me, and I could not see a trail. I, there was, everything looked the same. There was no trail that I could see. But they told me there is a trail, and there's markings on the trail. I couldn't see the markings, but they could see the markings. Um, there was a lady named Rachel Saint, and she spent her whole life, in fact, she died uh, among the Waodani people, and she spent her whole life translating the Bible into their language, the New Testament. And uh, it was interesting, what I learned is what they call the Bible is God's markings. God's markings. And you know what they call being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? Following God's trail. Because if you know where the trail is, if you know where the markings are, you know where to go. And you'll live. <laughs> you'll survive. Even in the Amazon. And so that experience helped me understand something that was very profound that I think John is going to invite us into the book of 1 John is the early Christians weren't called Christians. It was called the way. They were called the way. Because if you think about it, in a world where it's easy to get lost, and we live in a culture where the m prevailing message is we're a cosmic accident <laughs> in this soup of, of chemicals and stardust. Somehow we just appeared. There's no meaning. There's no way. There's no direction. People are truly lost. They don't know who they are, and they don't know why they're here or where they're going. And here we have Jesus, and we sang it this morning, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's left us his markings to show us the way. And that's why we're titling this series, The Way. Because John got to walk with Jesus. <laughs> he, he got to go on the trail with Jesus. John was as we read last week in Acts, was just an ordinary guy. He was a son of a fisherman, and he was a fisherman. We know the Apostle John was probably one of the youngest of all the disciples. He could have been a teenager. Are there any teenagers here this morning? <laughs> God loves teenagers because he picked some teenagers to be his disciples to change this world. And we know that John had a brother, and he had a father named Zebedee, and he must have been an interesting guy because he had a nickname with his brother. They were called Sons of Thunder. <laughs> so what kind of person do you have to be to be called a Son of Thunder, right? I, I imagine if he lived in the Black Hills, he'd probably have a Harley Davidson or something, right? <laughs> you know, he, these, guys, these guys were tough. These guys were, were known for being tough guys. They were fishermen. And... Jesus called John, and John left his nets. Now, what we don't know in the story, but is probably true, is that John probably knew Jesus before the account that we have. Like, he probably grew up near where Jesus grew up. In fact, there could even be some family connections with Mary and John's mother. They could have been cousins. So there's, there, was some, there was some familiarity there. But John recognized 
in Jesus that the very presence of God was being revealed and he left everything behind to follow Jesus. It's interesting as uh, John wrote the Gospel of John and we have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in the book of Revelation all authored by the same disciple, the same apostle. He rarely uses his own name. He rarely says his name and I, I think it's a mark of him just recognizing this isn't about me. He wanted to point to Jesus. But he did refer to himself by a term as the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> and for those who are here who know Jesus, you know if you've been with Jesus, you know what it is to be loved. And John wanted to express that reality, that to be with Jesus is to be loved. And so he wanted to be known as the one who was loved by Jesus. By the time we get the book of 1 John, uh, most of the other disciples have probably died. They've been martyred. They've put it all on the line. They've been willing to die for Jesus because they knew that Jesus was everything. They knew that he was the Lord of all, the creator of heaven and earth, and that he was God's revelation, incarnation, and that he had been crucified for their sins and he had been resurrected for their eternal life. And so they were willing to lay down their lives. And I believe the Apostle John was willing to lay down his life. But for whatever reason, he outlived all the other apostles. In fact, he was probably the only one who lived to be an older man. And so much of what we have in 1 John and later Revelation is written from a perspective of a man who's followed Jesus his whole life. And he's watched this church be born through the power of the Holy Spirit of people all over Asia and northern Africa and, and beginning to go into the reaches of Europe. He had watched this message of Jesus impact so many different hearts and these churches were formed. And so we know from church tradition that the Apostle John became a, a pastor in the city of Ephesus. And he pastored a local church in Ephesus. But because he was a, an apostle and he had been with Jesus, he became almost an, like an overseer. Or he's referred to as John the Elder and he, he would bring encouragement and instruction to the churches spread all over the world. And so what we have in 1 John is not really a letter, like the Apostle Paul wrote letters. What we have here in 1 John is a sermon. This, this whole book is a sermon that John probably gave to the, the church of Ephesus. Like we are today, he was there with them and he was sharing what he had experienced in knowing Jesus and following Jesus and pointing them to the way of Jesus. And so when we read 1 John, I want you to understand this is coming from the perspective of a man who had walked with Jesus from being a teenager and now an older man who's a pastor who loves the church of God and loves the work of God and God's people and is convinced that Jesus is the way, <laughs> the truth, and the life. So with that introduction, I'd like to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to read the first four verses. We're only doing four verses. In fact, we could spend months and months just on these four verses. This is rich, rich stuff. But we're going to be in 1 John all the way to Christmas. But we're going to start with the first four verses, and we stand in respect and honor of God's Word that He has spoken to us, that He's revealed Himself to us this morning. 
This is what it says. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. You may be seated. So this morning, just as a quick outline so you kind of know where we're going, I want you to highlight three words that we're going to really look at this morning. One, in verse one, is the word of life. The word of life. You can circle that. You can underline that. Hold on to that. The second word we're going to look at this morning is eternal life. Eternal life. The third word we're going to look at is fellowship. That word fellowship, it shows up twice. And connected to fellowship is joy. <laughs> fellowship and joy <laughs> are connected. So as we look at these verses, and as we see John writing, or actually not writing, sharing, speaking, proclaiming, preaching to the church, he highlights what he's probably already written before in the Gospel of John. And if you look at this passage closely, it's a, it's a parallel passage with John chapter 1, where he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that passage is parallel with the account in Genesis, that in the beginning God created. And how did God create? He spoke. He spoke. And so what we see here is John highlighting the story of God. <laughs> and I just got to say, the Bible is about God. This is God's story. This is God's revelation. It's not about us. <laughs> he includes us in his story. And what a story it is. And in the very beginning, and God doesn't have a beginning, but we have a beginning. And so how do we, how do we frame our beginning? We start with God. We start with God because outside of God, we can't find meaning or purpose. There is no life outside of Him. And the whole Bible story is pointing us to this reality that we are created beings, that we are made in the image of God, and that God alone is eternal. God alone is the creator of all things. And so we need Him. He is the one that we are to look to. And what does John highlight here in verse 1? that this God has revealed himself. <laughs> he has stepped into human history. He has stepped into human existence and human understanding and human being. And we know this as the incarnation. And that's why ultimately 1 John is a Christmas book. <laughs> this is a Christmas story that God became flesh. He became one of us. And so John in the, sees and experiences and knows Jesus as God revealed. So he sees, he hears, and he touches. And that's important. Hold on to those words. We're going to 
explore that more and more as we go through this book because um, John wants us to know that Jesus truly is the incarnation, the revelation of God in physical form. And this is what we proclaim concerning the word of life. And this is what I want us to think about this morning. Why does John refer to Jesus as the word of life? (laughs) The word of life. Last week, as we talked about the good news of the gospel, and it truly is good news, we've read in the gospel of John that Jesus proclaimed that he was the bread of life. And we know in the gospel of John that Jesus proclaimed that he is living water. And so we know that that Jesus is revealing himself as life, as the essence of life, and the essence of what we most need. And so what do we need in the word of life? You know, words have meaning, they have power. (laughs) We communicate by words. We know each other through words. We understand the world through words. Words are, are so important. But here's what the connection I think John wants us to see. That words are a reflection of our being, of who we are. That we are a person. (laughs) Um, If you dive into apologetics, you will begin to see that language is is an astonishing reality. That science can't explain, that no one can really explain of how language came to being. And so the Bible answers that question in a sense by saying it comes from God, (laughs) that God himself is word. And the reason we communicate and have words and have language is because it's a reflection of God. And we need language. We need word. And that Jesus is the word. He is the definition of existence. He is the definition of life. As I've traveled and gone to different places, whether it's the Amazon jungle, where with the Waodani people who had been, sociologists had said, one of the most violent people groups on the planet. In fact, their homicide, homicide rate was, was so extreme that they were going to be killed out of existence. That's how violent this group of people was. But as I spent time with them, what they shared with me was that a word of life (laughs) had come to them, that Jesus was life, and that he was forgiveness, and that he was healing, and he was restoration. And so they gave testimony to the reality of Jesus, and that he can change their hearts. And I've been in Kenya, Africa, and China. I've been in Latin America in different countries and cities around this country and in Rapid City, South Dakota. And what have I seen, heard, and touched? People saying, Jesus is the word of life. <laughs> my, my life was broken, but he's made me whole. I was, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. I've heard that testimony, that word, over and over and over and over again, across cultures, across languages, across borders, the same word, the word of life. Some of you here today have that word of life. 
and you give testimony to it. You speak of it because it's real. It's changed you. It's changed your story. It's changed the trail, the path that you're on. That's what John is talking about here. The word Jesus is life. It's found in a person. Now, it's interesting, you know, John could have started this um, with a whole list of, of, of rules. Like, you know, if we're trying to figure out how to live, you know, he could have started out, you know, wear, wear a hat or don't wear a hat or, or wear sandals or don't wear sandals or, or whatever the, the rules are. But he doesn't start with that. What does he start with? He starts with a person that he touched, that he saw, that he heard. A word of life. He starts with a person. In verse 2, that life appeared, and we have seen it and tested it. You see it? He's repeating it. I've seen it. <laughs> I can tell you about it. It's real. I've experienced it. We have seen it. We testify it. We proclaim to you the eternal life. This is important. I want you to hold on to this. What's he referring to when he says eternal life? Is he talking about a place? Is he talking about a destination? Look at it carefully. He says, we proclaim to you eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. My dear brothers and sisters, we, we have to understand what, what John is introducing to us here is the goal is not to get to a place. <laughs> the goal isn't to um, maybe someday die and go to heaven as a place. That's, that's not the invitation here. The invitation here is what? To a, a person who is the word of life, who is eternal life. He was with the Father and now he is with us. <laughs> you see what eternal life is? It's found in a person. You know, as I uh, get older, I, I think about my relationship with my parents. Um, and I have three, three small kids still at home. Well, they're, they're growing up. They're not so small anymore. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to, to think about the, 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 those relationships. And, you know, when I was young, I thought about my parents, and, and I just assumed, you know, they would have food for us every day. They, they would bring clothes for us, and we always had a house to live in, and, and they were our providers. They had everything that we needed, right? And so my relationship with my parents was, um, you know, I loved being with them, but man, I, I was really excited about what they could give me. And so um, there was many times I remember asking my dad for certain things or, or wanting certain things. And, and I have three kids now, and they're asking me all the time for things. They're like, Dad, can I get this? <laughs> can we have that? And, and so the way I viewed my parents was almost as if they were the givers, like they had the benefits, and I wanted those things from them. But it's interesting, as I'm older now, I don't see my parents that way anymore. I'm not looking for something from them. I'm not looking for material things or benefits from them. What I want with my parents now is I just want to be with them. <laughs> I want to talk to them. You know, every week I, I try to call them and just talk to them, see how they're doing, hear about their lives and share what's going on in my life. And I, I value that relationship so much. It's so precious to me. And, 
And as I think about that change in my own heart of how I, I viewed my parents and, 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 and that change of seeing them not just as someone who could give me something, but as seeing them as someone that I wanted to be with, <laughs> someone that I, I deeply love and respect with all of my heart. It's interesting as we think about that and our human relationships because I, I think all of us on one level or not, we have this selfish tendency where we want to be takers. We want to get things from people. And if we're not careful, we can translate that to God too. And we can just see him as, as someone like who has all kinds of benefits, all kinds of good things that we want, <laughs> you know? And, and we're like, God, just give me this or give me that. I just, if only you could give me that. I would be happy if you gave me this, <laughs> Right? And we miss out on the real treasure. The real benefit is God himself. Just like my parents. They're the treasure. The person is the treasure. God is the treasure. He is the eternal life. <laughs> you know, the, the, the benefits, they're good. <laughs> and he wants to give them to us because he's a giver. He is so good, and he wants to pour out his blessing and his goodness. But if we're not careful, if we don't mature, we miss out on the true blessing, which is God himself, that he himself is the life. He himself is the goal. It's knowing him and being known by him. That is the invitation to the word of life. That is the invitation to eternal life, to be with him, to know him. As I think about my own kids, and I remember the day that each one of them was born, and especially as I think about my first son, and, and I thought, how can I love someone? And, you know, it didn't feel like a reality when they were inside my wife's womb. And, and then he was born, and he came into this world, and it was like God all of a sudden did heart surgery on me. It was like this new chamber opened up that I didn't know existed, and I just knew I was going to love this person the rest of my life, <laughs> and I was going to do anything for them, you know? And I think about that, and I think about God thinking of us that way, as people that he dearly loves, as people created in his image, as we, as children of God, and thinking about that love and that desire that he has to give to us, just like you as parents, you want to give to your children. And this is really important. The reason I'm spending so much time with this, talking about eternal life and understanding that it's about a person, is because then we can understand verse 3. And he repeats, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. How many times has he said seen or heard? <laughs> over and over. This is important what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship. Fellowship. This is the third word that we need to talk about this morning. This word koinonia in the Greek is much more than just chit-chatting or just passing each other by and sharing a few greetings or words or catching up. This word koinonia means the deepest kind of relationship, friendship that you can have with another person. In fact, this is kind of a description of, I think, what we all want, 
what we long for is that connection with other people who will love us and who we can love them, who we can know them and they can know us. And so this koinonia is really a, a, a deep partnership, relationship, friendship, relationship that I think all of us long for. We long for it in our own families. We long for it with our friends. We long for it in our workplaces. We long for it in this place at church. We long for deep connections, understanding, people knowing us and us knowing other people. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard that you may also have this koinonia with us. So this koinonia, this fellowship is connected with the word of life. The word of life is connected with eternal life and the goal is fellowship, relationship. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see what the invitation to the way is? <laughs> it's an invitation to a relationship with a person. God is revealing himself as a person. Not a human being, not like us. He, he's not, he's not inf finite, he's infinite. He's the creator of all things. Yet, he is revealing himself in Jesus as the incarnation who was seen and heard and touched, who had relationship with John and did something in John's heart in such a way that he experienced fellowship, koinonia, and that John wants us to know that we too can experience fellowship and koinonia relationship. My words aren't enough to explain this. But this is the deepest human longing that I've seen in myself, in my kids, and in every person I've ever met in every culture, whether it's in deep in the Amazon or in Africa or Asia or here in Rapid City, is we long for relationship. We long to be accepted, to be loved, to be known. And the reason there's so much violence and conflict and broken marriages and broken relationships between kids and parents and, and broken workplaces and broken relationships everywhere is because we don't understand what the word of life is and what eternal life is and what koinonia is. It's rooted in giving. It's rooted in giving. God gave. <laughs> God stepped into our world. <laughs> he became one of us. He put aside his own comfort. It says in Philippians 2, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he, he put it aside. He gave it up so that he could become a servant. How can we have koinonia? How can we have relationship? It comes through giving and receiving and sharing and giving up. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way to life. This is the way that Jesus opens up for us. The Waldani, as I mentioned before, had so much violence in their culture because there was no way for forgiveness. If, if one clan or family did something, the other one would attack. And there was this 
this revenge cycle that was just ongoing, ongoing. But when Jesus stepped into their midst through the lives of five men who came from the United States and landed on a beach, and those men had a small little airplane, and, and they had a gun with them. But when these Wadani warriors came with spears, they intentionally chose not to get out the gun. They were speared to death, all five of them. It was in giving of their lives that the Waodani understood the message of Jesus when the wives came back and Rachel Saint came back and said, Jesus gave his life so that you could be forgiven, so you don't have to get revenge, so you don't have to get your way. When they understood that God is a giving God, just like John is talking about here, then they experienced koinonia. And when I was there with them, for the first time in their history, that, that what they could remember, there were grandparents in their tribe <laughs> because they learned the way of Jesus. My dear brothers and sisters, maybe the homicide rate, rate isn't crazy in our community, but there's brokenness, there's disappointment, there's anger, there's judgment. How are we going to know how to live to be to receive the blessing of God. Jesus has to show us the way. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we conclude. We're going to take communion together this morning. And this is how Jesus shows us the way. He doesn't just tell us. He just doesn't preach at us. He shows us. He came and he laid down his life. And this is what John saw and heard Remember the story in the gospel? It says John was standing there at the foot of the cross. And Mary, Jesus' mother, was standing right there. And he was watching Jesus bleed. And he understood that Jesus, his life wasn't taken from him, that he's, his life was given. And he understood that Jesus was laying down his life, not only for him, but for all people. And that's why he says, so that you too may have koinonia, fellowship. And so that you too can have joy. <laughs> and so this morning as we take communion, this is about joy. This is God's joy, his gift to us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask that you maybe not participate, but know that you can join in. <laughs> the invitation is here that you can know the word of life. You can have a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here this morning, I want you to be reminded that the way of life is through a relationship with Jesus. And he wants to remind us of that. And so in Luke chapter 22, as Jesus talks to his disciples about the Last Supper before he goes to the cross, he says to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat this again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And he says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I'll not drink again from the kingdom, from the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and he broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. I want you to know this morning that the way of life with Jesus starts with a gift that God gave for you. He gave his body 
and it was broken so that you could be forgiven. As we sang this morning, it's his righteousness that we're clothed with. It's not your goodness. It's not what you've accomplished. It's not what I've accomplished. It's not what we can work up. It's what Jesus has given. Let's take and eat the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus gave the most precious thing he had, his very own life blood, so that we could have life, <laughs> the word of life, eternal life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take and drink. Praise his name.